Amen. Amen. Well, uh, for those who are guests or are new, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it is a joy to have the privilege of opening God's Word with you right now. So if you have a Bible with you, would you please open it or find it somewhere on your Bible app? Uh, uh, Open the Word of God to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to read some select verses uh, from chapter 1 and then chapter 2. So, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, a verse that really is the theme verse for the entire book of Acts. This is what the book of Acts is about, the unfolding of this promise made by Jesus. In Acts 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, to us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Then turn over to chapter 2 and verse 16. After uh, an experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, Uh, We read in verse 16, Peter's words, But this, that is that mighty display of the Spirit's work, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And then Peter filled with this Spirit of God, preaches, beginning in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence." Brothers, Peter continues, brothers, I may say to you, I will wait a moment. Peter continues, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So being therefore a prophet, And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, 
that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel and let everyone hear and let everyone all over this earth, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucify. This is God's wonderful Word. The first sermon ever preached in the Christian church by the Apostle Peter. A few weeks ago when we finished up our study through the Gospel of Matthew, we saw that Jesus came to earth, He lived among us, He died for us, He rose from the dead, and then He ascended up into heaven. And uh, kids and children, that word ascended, uh, means he was lifted up. He was talking to his disciples one day, and all of a sudden, as it were, almost during the middle of that conversation, he was just lifted up, lifted up to heaven. The question is, what happened next? What happened after that? All of that is covered in Matthew's Gospel, or Luke's Gospel, or Mark's Gospel. But what happened Next, after Jesus was lifted up to heaven. Well, the book of Acts happened next. And it provides for us a study of what happens when the Holy Spirit falls upon and fills those who follow Him. We saw last week that when the Spirit falls and fills, priority happens. Uh, We become witnesses for Christ and that becomes our priority calling. Power happens when the Spirit of God falls on His people. Powerful things happen. And pattern and practice happen when the Spirit of God falls and fills. People get saved. They get baptized. They get added to a church. They get taught. They get matured. And then they get reproduced. And this pattern has been going on now for 2,000 years. Now what we want to do this morning and in the weeks to come is to actually look more directly and specifically at other things that happen, or the detail that happens when the Spirit of God comes. And what we're going to see today is that when the Spirit falls on us, brothers, sisters, young, old, when the Spirit of God falls on us and fills us, one thing that's going to happen is that we become radically pervasively, steadily, consistently Christ-centered. It becomes all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. This is consistent with what Jesus taught in John chapter 15. Jesus said, when the Spirit of God comes, 
He will guide you into all truth and he will glorify me. He will glorify me. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is one of glorifying Jesus. Somebody has called this the spotlight ministry of the Holy Spirit. Have you, have you ever seen a spotlight? Who, who has seen a spotlight? Okay, you have. But do you realize that you're really not supposed to see the spotlight? You're supposed to see what the spotlight is directed toward. You're supposed to see the sign or the person on the stage or the statue or the work of art. A spotlight's job is not to call attention to itself. If, if you're looking at the spotlight, there's something wrong with the spotlight. The spotlight is called, so to speak, to call attention to someone or to something else. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a spotlight ministry. His ministry is not to call attention to Himself. His ministry is not to say, hey, look at me. His ministry is not to come up with all kinds of Holy Spirit selfies that He, that he posts in our lives as if, as if He is what this is about. No, Jesus says when He comes, when He falls on us and fills us, He will glorify me. Me, Jesus says. The ministry of the Spirit is to make us think about Jesus and to be full of Jesus. And can I suggest to you that when that happens, it will affect how we sermonize and how we symbolize. Can you remember those? When, when the Spirit of God falls on us as a church, it will affect how we sermonize and how we symbolize. If we look at the text, we see that this is true. And when I'm talking about sermonizing, I'm not just talking about what I'm doing right here, but I'm talking about what we talk about. I'm talking about how we fellowship, what we talk about when we fellowship, when we talk to others, when we encourage others. When the Spirit of God falls on us and fills us, it will affect how we sermonize and how we symbolize. Let's see that in the text. First of all, Spirit-filled ministry will emphasize, when we sermonize, we will emphasize, I didn't mean that intended rhyme there, but when we sermonize, we will emphasize the person and the work of Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God falls on us, friends, it, it is going to be about Jesus from that point on. Look at this sermon how, how it is about the person and the work of Christ. This first Christian sermon ever. And we can, we can see it, first of all, that Peter wants to proclaim, under the filling of the Spirit, he wants to proclaim Jesus. So we see that in this sermon, there are multiple names that he gives to our Savior. In verse 22, the Holy Spirit stirs Peter to call our Savior Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the personal name of our Savior. How many of you children know what my name is? Any children here know what my name is? What's my name? Parents tell me if they're getting it right. What's my name? 
I can't hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it's some of you will think it's pastor, but that's not my name. Some of you might think it's Oh yeah, Reverend. I haven't been called Reverend since I don't know when. Um <laughs> and it's no, it's okay, we're we're getting off track here, folks. Um uh, no, it's not Father, uh, and it's not right reverend or anything of the sort. Um, uh, and it's, in one sense, it's not even Mr. Shorey. My, my name is Tim. Or Timothy. That's my name. That's my personal name. That's, that's, the name for me. What is the name of our Savior? He is Jesus. What a precious name. Oh, how sweet. His name is Jesus. That, that name gives to us a sense of the reality that He is a person a real person with a real name. He's not myth. He's not fable. He's Jesus. And in the book of Acts, there's at least uh, 20 times, no, it might be uh, twice that many times, I'm forgetting now, where, where our Lord is just called Jesus. Just Jesus. He's Jesus. He's one of us. He's got a name like we do. And we love Jesus and we serve Jesus and we want to get to know Jesus more because Jesus is worthy, right? Is that right? This name is precious. And then, and then in this same verse, in verse 22, He is not just called Jesus, He is called Jesus of Nazareth. And that's interesting that that Peter, under the ministry of the Spirit, calls him not just Jesus, but Jesus of Nazareth. It's as, if, it's as if Peter is saying, under the ministry of the Spirit, this Jesus whom we know and love and preach, He was of Nazareth. He, he actually was among us. He was here on earth with us. He isn't just Jesus of heaven, but He's Jesus of Nazareth. I'm... Tim of Drexel Hill or Tim of New England. Uh, he was Jesus of Nazareth. What a name to call attention to the fact that this one who had forever been God and equal with God actually occupied time and space. He was of Nazareth. He walked among us. And then as we go on in verse 27, you'll see it. He is called the Holy One. That one who would not see corruption in the grave. That one who is the Holy One. Set apart from sin. Set apart for God's service in perfect righteousness and goodness and purity. He is the Holy One. In verse 36, He is called the Christ. Let all the house of Israel know that God has made Him Lord and 
Christ. He is the anointed one. That's what that means. He is called Lord in that same verse. As Peter puts it later in Acts 11, He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. Jesus is all of these and more. I have found in my study of Acts at least 20 different titles or combinations of titles and names that are attributed to Jesus in this book. And each one of us tells us something about the the person of Jesus, who He is and what He is like. He is Jesus come to save His own. He is author of life and cornerstone. He is Son of Man, God's own Son, the Holy and the Righteous One. He is Leader, Savior, God's anointed, prophet, servant, judge, appointed. He is Christ, the term the Father gave, the only name by which we're saved. I want to encourage you. I want households to experience this together. What I want to encourage you in these coming days and weeks as you're reading through the book of Acts, take note of all the names and the titles of Jesus. And as a family, as a household, collect those names and those titles. Write them down uh, on a piece of paper or document them somewhere. And then talk about the names and the titles of Jesus. And think about what they mean and how they affect you and how they make you feel and how they make you worship and, and how they make you respond to Jesus. Turn this into an ongoing Jesus experience through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As the Spirit falls and as He fills us, He will call attention to the person of Jesus. He will, he will, give, he will tell us Jesus' names and titles and He'll make Jesus precious to us. And then second, when the Spirit falls and fills Our sermonizing will also be about the works and the work of Jesus. What has Jesus done? See, this is what's all important, right? Uh, At the end of the day, the most important things to know are who Jesus is and what He has done. And when the Spirit falls and when the Spirit fills us, brothers, sisters in Christ, that's going to be our focus. That's what we're going to be about. Who is Jesus? And what has He done? And in this sermon that Peter preaches, what do we see that He has done? What is it that He preaches about? Well, He preaches about the redemption of Christ. Look at verse 23. He was delivered up to be crucified by wicked hands according to the definite plan of God. Peter, Peter preaches the death of Jesus, but he adds this onto that Jesus died, and He died at the wicked hands of people, but He did this according to the plan of God. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't a mistake. This wasn't a a tragic surprise and murder. No, He died by the plan of God. Why? To take away our sins, to be our Redeemer and our Deliverer. Jesus, or Peter, under the influence of the Spirit, preaches the redemption of Christ. He preaches the resurrection of Christ. We've seen that in the text that we have already read in verses 24 through 32. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. I love it because it was not possible for him to be held by. Do you realize that about Jesus? 
It was impossible for him to stay dead. It was impossible. Why? Well, because he is God in the flesh, but because the Father had promised, this one will not see decay. This one will not be abandoned to the grave. This one will be raised triumphant over death. This Jesus, Peter says, under the ministry of the Spirit, God raised him up. And when the Spirit falls on us and fills us, we're going to be sermonizing about this. Not just from behind the pulpit, but in our everyday conversations and interactions. Our Lord Jesus died for us by God's plan. Our Lord Jesus was raised for us by God's power. And our Lord Jesus was exalted for us. Look at verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received the promise of the Father, He has poured out His Spirit. He has, he has exalted Him. The Father has exalted the Son. Another big word maybe for you children. Exalted means to be, to be lifted up, to be honored. And in this case, honored by being placed on the throne of heaven. Jesus, right now, as we sit here, Jesus is sitting there on a throne. And there was, after the resurrection of Christ, and when Jesus ascended up into heaven, the Scriptures actually teach us that there was a parade. How many of you kids have ever been in a parade? Been in a parade or seen a parade? They're a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And usually in a parade, there's, there's a special person or there's a special team like the Eagles a couple of years ago, that this massive parade and there's somebody being honored, somebody being celebrated. Well, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus went to heaven, there was a procession, there was a parade and, and Jesus was exalted. He was praised. All the angels, all the saints who have gone before us, all the prophets, they all celebrated His return to heaven. And, and there was this parade and it led all the way up to a throne. And at that throne, the Father was waiting and the Father said, Son, this throne belongs to you. This throne belongs to you. And you're going to sit on this throne until you've made all your enemies your footstool. You're going to sit on this throne until your name is proclaimed in all the earth. You are exalted and will be exalted. And this is what Jesus, uh, this is what Peter preached. He is exalted. He is exalted. Peter, filled with the Spirit, preached the redemption of Christ, the resurrection of Christ the exaltation of Christ, and the salvation of Christ. For in verse 21 of chapter 2, Peter proclaims, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts 16, later on, when Paul, filled with the Spirit, speaks, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Peter will later on say that Jesus has been exalted as a leader and as a Savior. See, this is, this is what happens when the Spirit falls on us and fills us. We sermonize about Jesus and part of what we proclaim 
is that there is salvation in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is Savior and Lord. When the Spirit falls on the church, don't expect that there's going to be all kinds of sensational things happen, shocking things happen. They will happen sometimes, and we'll talk about that later in one, another message. But the main thing the Spirit of God does is call attention to Jesus and glorify Him through our sermonizing. And I know I have to stop here, so let me just mention quickly, when the Spirit falls and fills us, it will affect our sermonizing and our symbolizing. What do I mean by that? Well, if we read in Acts, we read that when people believed, what was the first thing they did? They got baptized. And do you know what baptism is? Baptism is an outward symbol, a ceremony that symbolizes, if you've ever been to a baptism in our church, we, we put people down under the water and then we lift them out of the water. And in doing that, we are symbolizing that their old life, apart from Christ, is now buried, but they have been raised to newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that symbol proclaims the Gospel. An old life is past. A new life has begun. And water. Sins have been washed away. Even our symbols proclaim Jesus. Or later on it says that they gathered together regularly and they broke bread. That's a New Testament phrase for communion, as I understand it. It, talks in part, it means in part uh, hospitality and how we should open up our home together. If, in fact, we are spirit-filled, we will be hospitable people. But when it says that they devoted themselves, verse 42, to the breaking of bread, it's saying that they observed communion together regularly. They were devoted to communion. And what is communion? Well, Jesus said it's proclaiming His death until we come. Every time we eat the bread, we remember Jesus who died for us. Every time we drink the cup, we remember the blood of Jesus poured out for us. So that in our sermonizing, preaching, witness, conversation, and in our symbolizing, baptism and the Lord's Supper, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if there is one passion that we should all have, it is that when people think of us individually and think of us as a church, they will think those people are all about Jesus. Those people love Jesus. Those people talk about Jesus. Those people worship Jesus. Those people sing about Jesus. Those people bear witness of Jesus. Those people try to be like Jesus. Those, those people try to get to know Jesus better. They're all about Jesus. A little bit later on, the early believers 
were given a nickname, and it was a sarcastic nickname at the beginning. It was the name Christian. And the word Christian speaks basically of well, Christ's ones. Those that, those that are Christ's. And, and the earliest enemies of the church used it as a kind of sneering sarcasm. Oh, they're those Christians. You know, it's kind of like uh, those Jesus people. You know, those Jesus people. Oh, wouldn't it be good to be known that way? Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be glorious to be known that way? If you want to be known that way as a family, as a person, as a family, as a church, then we must seek the ministry of the Spirit of God for He will glorify Christ among us. He will make Christ precious to us. And, and so, as, as I close... Let me just encourage you to keep on pressing in these days. Keep on pressing in as you read the book of Acts, as you reread the book of Acts. Take note of how it glorifies Christ. Take note of the names of Christ, the work of Christ, how the early Christians loved Christ and served Christ. And then, having noted that as an individual, as a family, as a group of friends, as community groups, why not pray together? You know, ask, seek, knock. Why not pray together and say, Spirit of God, fall on us and fill us in such a way that we will see Jesus and we will know Him and we will love Him and we will serve Him like we never have before. Oh Lord, make us in this generation, in the 21st century, in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Lord, make us this kind of church and this kind of people, a Jesus people, through and through. It will only happen if the Spirit falls and fills, which will only happen if we ask and seek and knock. Will you join us in that? Brothers and sisters, this is what to be passionate for more than anything else. It's all about Jesus in our life together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you please send forth your Spirit upon us, fall on us, and fill us, O Lord. Fall on us and fill us, O Lord that we, we might become Jesus' people all the way into the deepest parts of our being, those who know and love the Savior. And may that become our testimony, our witness in this generation, in this community, until we meet Jesus face to face on that glad and glorious day. Until then, Lord, keep us faithful. We pray in the mighty, wonderful, glorious, sovereign, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, going to close with a song, All Glory Be to Christ. And how fitting it is in light of uh, how we have heard about the Spirit's ministry in our lives. Make this a prayer. Even as you're singing it now, yes, Lord, all glory be to Christ, Spirit of God, fall on us and fill us that we will glorify Jesus.